With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Spiritual Unity Radio Network. A station dedicated to the concept that all manifestations of the divine are equally valid. Join Reverend Terry Power HP, Robin McKean, and all the hosts for programming covering a wide range of spiritual topics right here on Blog Talk Radio. to Pride of Olympus. I am Hercules Invictus, and I am greatly honored to be introducing our first segment for tonight, Urantia Book with Nick. Our host is the legendary Nick Curto, and tonight's guest is Doreen Haney. Greetings and welcome, Nick. Thank you, Hercules. Always a privilege and a true pleasure to be with you. Same here. I hand the scepter to you, and I'm looking forward to listening to your show. Well, thank you very much. Uh, It's going to be a really good one tonight. Uh, Again, to all our listeners, welcome to uh, Urantia Book with Nick, a live podcast for the next hour. I'm Nick Curto, your host. Um, A very brief background about me. I now live in Manhattan and have been here a good part of my life. I was born and raised in New England, uh, Springfield, Massachusetts, to be precise. I went to the Massachusetts College of Art and Design in Boston was president of both the Newman Club and the uh, Drama Club. And after graduation, I headed directly for New York City to begin my advertising design career and also to continue to explore my ongoing spiritual search as well as other big questions about life that we all have and want answered. Now, I first heard of the Arantia book while attending the All Souls Unitarian Church here in Manhattan one Sunday morning and quickly found a truly wonderful uh, study group uh, in Soho hosted by Robin and Helene Jorgensen. 
Uh, I now have a study group uh, of my own uh, and have been studying the Yamrancha book for 35 years. Uh, it has been an expansive, breathtaking experience to explore this awesome, wonderful, and truly loving book. The word Urantia, spelled U-R-A-N-T-I-A, means our planet Earth. Um, I currently have an outreach, uh, the outreach chair of the Urantia Society of Greater New York, uh, made up of UB readers from New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut. And I've been a past president and also held many other positions as well. Uh, I am now hosting the Urantia Book Study Group in Manhattan in the West Village. Now, that's sponsored by the Urantia Society of Greater New York. And that meets the first and third Sundays of each month throughout the year from 1 to 2 o'clock at the G, uh, at the LGBTQ Center, 208 West 13th Street in New York City. Uh, the study group is totally free of charge and open to all. We welcome everyone. We read a section of the book and then stop to discuss what we've just read as we go through it. And uh, I would venture to say that all those who attend, whether brand new readers as well as longtime readers, find it a rewarding experience on many, many levels. Again, everyone is welcome to join us. Uh, please let me know if you'd like to attend and I'd be happy to provide you with all the details. Uh, usually it's the first and third Sunday, but holidays and other occasions sometimes make it a different dates. Uh, now, to get my email address uh, and uh, contact me if you'd like to go, and I hope you will, my email address is nicknyny1 at gmail.com. Again, nicknyny, the figure one, at gmail.com. Uh, the Urantia book has now been translated into 22 languages and counting, and it's uh, sold at better bookstores worldwide. And also you can access and preview that on the Internet. I'm going to give you two uh, website addresses. They're both dynamite websites. The first is U-R-A-N-T-I-A-B-O-O-K dot O-R-G. Again, urantiabook.org. The other one is U-R-A-N-T-I-A dot N-Y-C, urantia dot N-Y-C. Both of those are amazing websites, and you can get a lot of information there. Okay, let's get right to it. Tonight, my featured guest on the program is a very, very dear friend and longtime reader of the Urantia book, Doreen Haig from, from uh, New Jersey. Uh, I believe it's... Uh, Jersey City, New Jersey. A very warm welcome to you, Doreen. Oh, thank you, Nick. It's delightful to be here. And uh, I've been looking forward to uh, the program all week, <laughs> as you know. And I would like to briefly tell listeners a little bit about your background, if I may. Uh, Doreen Hayne is a longtime uh, Urantia Book reader and has attended four Urantia Book study groups, uh, serving on the executive committee as secretary general and treasurer of the fellowship for a term of nine years, twice treasurer of the Urantia Society of Greater New York. Uh, Doreen co-chaired the International Urantia Book Conference in 2005 in Villanova University in Pennsylvania. Uh, so you've been real busy, Doreen, and uh, I want to start off with just a little more about you. Uh, please tell us, if you will, um, 
Where were you born and raised? Oh, I was born and raised in Brooklyn, New York. Uh-huh. And were you from a, a very large family with brothers and sisters? No, I only had two sisters, and I was the middle child. Well, that's a pretty big family, that's for sure. And uh, were your mom and dad, were they spiritual at all? No, not at all. As a matter of fact, uh, my father was an atheist, and uh, we didn't practice anything. They, uh, I would say, their whole idea of existence was you're, you're, you live and you die and ashes to ashes, dust to dust, and that was it. That's what we were told. So I had no idea there was anything beyond here. Okay. Uh, if I may delve a little bit further into that, um, was there any other reason that um, your, your parents um, didn't really care for anything spiritual, other reasons? Well, I have a feeling it was, I, I suppose, the genocide of the Jewish people during the Holocaust. And after that, I think a lot of people rejected God. And so no one ever spoke a religion of God growing up. I had no information. Wow. Other than so, that, I would say what happens to a person when there is a void inside of yourself? In of you? course, of course. Yeah. Wow. That's so. That, so what uh, happens? You start. To, you know. You start to look. You try to find meaning as a child and understanding of why am I here? Just as your program opened. What's the purpose of existence? Um, how do people treat each other so inhuman? Why? And those were the things, the driving force that always interested me and experiences that I've had in the unknown. So I had no idea there was anything, again, you know, beyond this life. And But Things happened, and there was no explanation. So that was – it was interesting. But a lot good. of challenges there. Yeah, a lot of challenges to uh, to uh, to look at. Uh, were your uh, other uh, 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 family, were they – brothers and sisters, were they anywhere into that as you were looking, pursuing no that one. question? No, no. So no, you were really pretty much alone on that one. You were alone looking around. No. Yeah, and we never talked to each other. We would, you know, you grew up on the streets. We all went our different ways. Very dysfunctional family, and like many others, uh, you know. But yeah, I'm grateful for it, like actually, <laughs> because yeah, yeah. it 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 forced me to open my mind, my heart, and to seek for some truth. Right, right, exactly. And did you? Um, I know in my case, um, I had. Of friends of various faiths and and races, and so that was an incredible treasure trove of information. Did did you did your life start doing that early on? Did you uh, with uh, different uh, uh, friends uh, and different uh, religious or spiritual callings? Nothing did like you... that. No, no, because no. Okay. life was just trying to survive, and you took yeah. care of yourself. And you went to school. No, I realized this when I was very young, maybe six years old. So wow. I, what happened, I created something in my mind. Um, you, when, when you're unhappy, you have to find no. something, some release. And so I created a being in my mind, 
and I began to talk with this being, and I cried with this being, and I, you know, I, I this was my best friend say, but I wasn't sure if anything was there. I just made it up as a kid, and as the years passed, what happened? This being stayed with me, and I. You know, it comforted me, but then again, I had no idea. I never heard the word God uh, until I was much older and people talked about it. But nothing about religion, not interested in religion at all. Those for I, I kind of thought religion was for weak people who were needy. And <laughs> I never okay. uh, regarded right. it as anything else. And I wouldn't ever think that anyone was going to tell me what to do, so... That was another thought that came to me. But when I worked sure. in the city, and I met lots of people from all different religions, you know, working in Manhattan is a fabulous experience, and yeah. I had many jobs. So I met people from different religions. They took me sometimes to their church. Uh, they were wonderful people, and you know, you start to grow and look at life very differently. Well, I'm so glad you you, you did that, and that. Uh... The challenge was there, and, and there you were uh, looking around and, and, and trying new things and, and getting new information, and good for you. I, I would say it was exactly the same way, absolutely looking around, trying to sample, see what would resonate to me, what would really resonate, and, uh, and I looked a long time, believe me. Uh, also, I just want to touch on this, Doreen. What was your, sure. your school of study, studying? Did you, did you study any particular place, or how, how was that? Well, I worked during the day. My family was very poor, and they couldn't afford to send me to college. So I took evening courses in the colleges at City College, Brooklyn College, New York University. And then when I moved to New Jersey, I had you know classes in Uppsala College. And that, they had uh, uh, one of their outlets in a neighboring town. So, and I took, but I never finished. I never finished. I really enjoyed learning and I studied all the things that I loved. And so I wasn't going for you know any kind of degree because I was already married. I had two children. And then I went into business with my husband for 33 years. So I had a really busy life. But to, to, really follow up with something you know i had prayed to this being and i you know called him whatever and of course it was god and i said you know if you're real then you will provide for me a decent human being of my life that would love his children that would be a kind person that was uh, that came from good parents and that would love his children and that's and it's funny. I made a list and I said, if you are who you say you are, then this will happen for me. And then I grew my teenage years and and went to school. I had a, that was good. The streets in New York really saved your life. It, it was wonderful because you never went inside. Nobody lived in an, a house. They lived in an apartment with just a few uh-huh. rooms and lots of people and very little. So. But you share your life with other kids, and that was wonderful. So what happened, you let you let go of those thoughts that you had when you were younger. And then it was interesting. One year, all of a sudden, I probably I was early married, and I thought 
to myself, oh, my goodness, I made a deal with God. I challenged him that wow. to bring me the things I needed to survive this life with. And lo and behold, I got it all. He gave me a wonderful husband. <laughs> and it's such not a that I... Story. Yeah. I, you know, it's funny because I wasn't like head over heels in love with this guy. He was a very nice person. He had a really good reputation. But it wasn't what attracted me. He was so kind and so respectful and generous. Mm. And I and I was just I just knew, you know, when you have an old pair of shoes and they're so comfortable and you never yep. want to throw them out, that was my husband. He was wow. just such a wonderful person and I loved being with him. And uh, I, he was everything that I expected, that he fulfilled all my dreams and all my ideas. He was a great dad. He came from a wonderful father and mother. And so, you know, that was kind of the beginning. But in the interim, I had tons of experiences that were unexplainable. I knew things ahead of its time. I saw things uh, that were unexplained. Who do you speak to? No one. There's nobody to ask. What do you think about this? People would have thought I was crazy. Even my husband thought I was crazy. He says, what are you talking about? Because, you know, nobody understands the world of spiritual reality. Mm-hmm. They live in mm-hmm. a very material world and everything becomes, you know, what they could touch and see and hear, you know, all the That's five true. senses. In a lot of cases that is exactly right. But you you were you were so blessed truly to to have those prayers and that faith uh, uh realized and, and in such a wonderful and dramatic way. Good for you. I it's a wonderful story. I've never I've never uh, heard that before, uh, and thank you for sharing that. Wow, that, that's 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 so terrific that you, and that you found uh, you were blessed with with the right person in your life that made such a big difference, and that that's a blessing, absolutely. So, I, yeah, well, I, you I, know I, what I'm happens. Happy. I'm sorry, Nick. No, I'm you know just what so happens when when you really connect with the inner with that inner self with the inner spirit there's something real that takes hold and it's almost like a spiritual drawing force that leads you into different places it's a knowing it's almost as if your life um, is controlled but then you still have the freedom to do other things but you just know something is right and something, um, if you went in a bad direction, that you just would know it is. So I was never drawn to the world of drugs and, you know, all the bars and stuff like that. I did marry very mm-hmm. early. But anyway, so um, I didn't want to interrupt you. I know you had other questions for me. I no, but that's, that's a wonderful story. And, no, thank you so much for sharing that wonderful story and and a story of faith, too, and even though you you were trying your best and things started unfolding for your life, and that's true. now I want to ask you how how did you happen to come across such a thing as the Urantia book, uh, or how it, did it come across you? What happened there? Did someone give it to you, or how did you find it? Well, it was really interesting because I I found I let me start from the beginning. I had a feeling to go to 
a town, a neighboring town. I lived in northern New Jersey at the time because I would find maybe people that were interested in the same thing as I was. And lo and behold, uh, there was a dance studio. So I said, well, I'm going to go and take dancing lessons, ballroom dancing and whatever at night. Mm-hmm. So you know what happened? I go into this place, and, oh, I asked a few people if they knew of anything like uh, metaphysical uh, you know, classes or anything in their town. They said no. Well, anyway, I continued with the dance lessons, and a couple of months later, Right across the hall, about five feet, a sign went up on the door, and it said, Institute of of Spiritual Development. It Mm. was like, oh, my God, I was really drawn to come here, and that's where the door opened. So I went out of the dance studio, went across the hall, joined Uh into the Institute of Spiritual Development uh, for about, I guess, close to a dozen years. And then, shall I continue? Please, this is great. Okay, so, oh, they they talked about the world of spirit and there is life after death. And, oh, my God, I had no idea. And they did different things and exercises and a lot of stuff that I really wasn't interested. But it didn't matter. You know, you can go to classes whenever you want or not. Anyway, over the years, though I took some things, and uh, really, I had no idea I had any abilities. So uh, they one day they said, would you read, take, partner up with somebody and see if you could pick up anything from spirit about this person? And the oddest thing happened. I couldn't lie. I wasn't going to make anything up. And I and this girl was giving me a whole bunch of stuff. And I took everything with a grain of salt. I never put a lot of credibility into it. And she said to me, yeah, you know, whatever. And I said, okay, whatever. Now I said, oh, God, I have nothing to give her. I can't make it up. And all of a sudden, my third eye opens up, and I see this vision of two people standing there, very tall, dressed in Dutch clothing, and they said just something very brief to me. They said, tell Anne to call her aunt. And that was it. And I said to her, Anne, and I didn't know her, she's a total stranger, I said, these two people I described, and she says, that's my parents. They're dead. Oh, my God. She says, what did they say? And I said, they just said that you should call your aunt. Whoa. Wow. So wait a minute. This was amazing. And I thought, oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't have anything for you of any value or anything like that. The next morning, well, I got to work, you know, and next morning I get a phone call during work, and she said to me, you have to come over and read for my sister. What happened? She called her aunt, and she had thousands of dollars for her daughter to go to Harvard, and she hadn't spoken to her for 10 years, and so that was the message. But it's not about all this phenomena stuff. It really isn't. It's God, when God has a message and he wants you to know something, this is what happens. You cannot manipulate it. It's not something, oh, tell me about this. And I would never Mm -hmm. do that. It was just a freaky thing. And I told him, no, no, no. Anyway, this is just, I'm giving you a preliminary thought about this because 
uh, later on, one of the other women that were there said, let's practice in her house, oh, maybe once a week or once in a while, to see if we could pick up anything for each other. It was just practice between the two of us. And she okay. said to me, she said, Doreen, you are going to find a book like no other book, and you're going to teach from it. And what did I think? I thought, oh, my goodness, how ridiculous. What book would I have that nobody in the world would have? I I thought it was silly, and I just let it go. And I said, oh, thank you very much. Okay. A few months later, I, belonging in this institute, I asked them if they would kind, uh, please try to find someone who would teach a class on God. Uh, they had into you know they had religious classes, but not you know anything specific, just comparative religions. But it wasn't anything that was good. But they said, "Why don't you do it?" And I said, "I can't do it. I don't know anything about God. All I know is you know what I made up in my head." And they said, "Do it anyway." <laughs> and I thought, "Oh my God, I know I'm not a teacher. I I don't think I could do this." But I did wait a while. And they kept asking me, and I said, okay, I might as well. And I went to the library, and I got a whole bunch of books out, Uh, philosophers, uh, saints, everything I could find. Everybody Mm -hmm. who was helping me, you know, customers in my store said, oh, I have a book, you know, on some saints and whatever. And so I started to open up one of the books, and and I meditated at that time. I used to take yoga meditation at this place. So I learned to really go inside myself. And uh, what happened? I'm reading Descartes, and all of a sudden, my third eye, you know, the, the inner, the inner world, opened up to me, and I see writing. And it was like the scroll. And this is in the late 70s. So it's okay. you know when they had they have the scroll across the TVs today and give you news. Well, this came across my mind's eye. Wow. And it was in French. And I what? thought, oh, my God, I don't know French. Why am I getting this message? I only know Spanish. But I quickly wrote down what I could remember uh, from what it said. And it just scrolled by a whole bunch of writing. And uh, I brought it to work. And I said, does anybody speak French? And one of the customers uh, said, yes, I do. And I said, please translate this. And it said, you will be born again. I couldn't Whoa. believe it, right? Whoa. Oh, yep. wow. And, well, I, I mean, remember, I didn't come from any religion, so born again was kind of like, what does that mean? Right, <laughs> right. Know? Now, right. since I'm, re- you know, I'm trying to create this course to present, a friend of mine was in the bookstore, and she loved all the same things as I did. Uh, I met her years later, and she loved the esoteric, and she happened to be an astrology teacher. And she said, I see this book on the shelf, and it's a big, fat book, and I love big, fat books, and it's calling me. She said, so I had to have it. And she went back to the store twice because she didn't have enough money. And she said, you know, Dorian, I see the first section is on God, and I know you're doing a course. I'll give you the book, and you could look at it, and I'm going on vacation for a month. And it was in its wrapping. She didn't even open it. She says, have it, and then give it back to me when I return. 
And I said, okay. Well, I opened up the Arantia book. It blew me away. First of all, who would know this information? Mm -hmm. Who would ever know what was written in this book and how it was written? It was amazing. It talked about the nature of God. It talked about God in relation to beings and and the whole universe and his personality. And, oh, my, it had so much stuff in there. I just was beside myself. I took everything else back to the library. I gave everybody back there. But, and this was the book, and it set me on fire. Wow. It, oh, it, my goodness. What a story. Dory, that is a wonderful story. I never... I never knew that that part of you, and of, it's just one step leads to the next, leads to the next, and that's what that's what goes on in life. Oh, indeed, indeed, and 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 it it had everything you would ever want to know about yep. our history, our destiny, and everything that people would question, you know. What is paradise? What is eternity? Who would know this information? Now, what happened was uh, origins. It had origins of our existence mm-hmm. of the planet. Everything mm-hmm. that we don't have any information that this book covered because it wasn't written, of course, by any human beings. It was mm-hmm. a revelation. So I was just ecstatic. And I couldn't get enough of it. And I, what I ended up, I started to teach at the Institute. Not only did I teach uh, the course on God from the Arantia book, but I taught other courses there. I just, it, it was so fabulous. And who would know this information? It was so inspiring. And, and that was, oh, it, 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 I, I never would have looked for religion. I'll I'll get down to that core thing. I was never interested in any religion. I just I, I couldn't but I was interested in existence and the purpose for our lives and why we were here, why we are here and where we're going and what's mm-hmm. the meaning of life and everything philosophical. So, you know, the book had Eventually, and it's uh, a book of 2,100 pages and written so beautifully in prose and uh, language that is so exemplary. Uh, I had to sit with the dictionary half the time to understand (laughs) some of the the language. Oh, my God. But it resonated inside of me. That's, you know, that's I use that happened. word a lot too when I describe to, it, it, the, it resonates. I think that's a great word because all, it just absolutely you can you can feel it. You can feel the truth of the book, and it's thrilling, and it just absolutely takes your breath away. So I'm <laughs> totally on the same page with you. I know uh, uh, your Rancher book readers would share that with us that it, it absolutely stops you in your tracks, and that's what you're saying. Stopped it in tracks. Well, it, it. I wanted to shout it from the rooftops. It had <laughs> such. It's so filled with the depth of insight. It really does transform your understanding of your existence and the purpose for life. And it all. It's all done with love, 
And that love that holds the universe together, and that all comes from the one source, God, and then some. So it, it was so exciting, the information. You have to share it. You yep. just you cannot keep anything like that to yourself. So who's interested? Listen, well, I started, you know, at the Institute, and then I had, after their services on Sunday, I would start a study group. I actually did another study group in my house. I moved it from there. They did satsang classes, and I would bring some of the information from the book and have a topical study without mentioning the book. Well, years went on, and this was fun. It was wonderful because you would have a dialogue with all these people, and uh, uh, the book had so much information that no one would ever know, and I, I went to the people that ran the institute and I said to them you know I found this marvelous book I said you order you order you ought to read it and they said what's mm -hmm. the name of it and I said the orange book oh we read it years ago no really? wonder well, no wonder they were teaching the way they taught they they said about Jesus that he was not born when you know the traditional dates he was born and and they went on with all this stuff and i just kept it in the back of my mind and okay whatever but when i came across it in the book i said they did know that information they just never mentioned where it came from but it was a wonderful thing. So, you know, each step of the way, you're kind of led on a journey. And that journey takes you, uh, you know, it's like the, the angels and God and, and all the spirit workers that help us to survive and, and to lead us to our destiny. They had it all planned out. See, so I would say... How I understood this, because the Arantia book talks about that there is a plan for everyone's life. Mm -hmm. And if you're in tune with God and, and his helpers and all the angels, what happens? You kind of led along a course. Now, I, I understood, my goodness, this is all set up, and if I follow this spirit leading, well, great things happened, and great things did happen. It mm -hmm. was, oh, I, I was just so happy. You see, I was happy for the, the negative life that I began with, that I didn't have good parenting, and there was no love in my home, and, and we all no. didn't communicate with each other. It wasn't anything to feel sorry about. I said, I'm so grateful for the opportunity because if it wasn't for that, I would have never searched for meaning. You see, a lot of people come from, oh, they have everything, you know, parents love them and they're cared for and, they, and they're nurtured. Well, when that's missing... What do you do? How You know, well, I wanted to commit suicide when I was a teenager. I couldn't, uh -oh. I didn't want to live. I couldn't see a reason for life because there was so much unfairness. And mm -hmm. you understand what goes on today, and you could look oh, at it geez. that way. But no. they had a plan for me. 
and so and so it unfolded just as you're saying and and one thing leads to the next and you when you find something that like we said resonates a big time and in this case it was the Arantia book for you in my case it was the Arantia book for me too it just absolutely uh, stopped me um, I wanted to when I was reading it I, I started going through different chapters of what would they say about this what would they say about that so I was skipping around. Did you do that at the very beginning you, when you saw the table of contents? Like you I want to did. Jump oh, my yeah. goodness. I did. Yeah. Adam and Eve. Oh, my God. Who is Adam and Eve? You know, I wanted to. And it talked about who they are. Oh, my God. What fabulous information. And actually, since I didn't come from a Christian background at all or you know any kind of religion but I did have a Jewish heritage I wasn't interested in reading the last part of the book the Jesus papers because at first I thought oh it's probably going to try to indoctrinate me into a religion and that was initially when I first got the book so I kind of avoided it but as time went on, and you're reading all this other stuff, and it's talking about a creative son, and I said, what are they talking about? Who's a creative son? And then I turned to the Jesus papers, and I fell in love with him, with his oh, teachings. Boy. It was, oh, my God, it was a light when inside of me it brightened up my whole life. I was thrilled to every fiber in my being, thrilled to read what he brought to this world. If people just have to read it for themselves, it it resonates in your soul. It filled me to my cup runneth over. I cannot explain. But well, I you're doing f- a very good job of explaining, absolutely doing a good job. And, and that that's the experience the Urantia book readers have. And uh, the fourth part of that book uh, just explodes with love. Uh, Oh, my God, love and understanding and tolerance and teaching about a zillion different things that we look at in such a primitive way. And the advancement of understanding how the universe really operates and what everybody's role in in this universe is from the material level, our primitive beings here, to the eternal future. And it laid it out in such a way that it gave, it gives you hope and faith and understanding. There is higher purpose for every human being, no matter what stage of life they're born in, whether rich or poor or whatever. It, it's irrelevant. It's truly irrelevant. It's that's the true. love that's in your heart, how you live your life. That's what. That's the ticket out of here. That's the the good things that you do that Jesus talked about. And it talked about how he trained the apostles and and he had brothers and sisters. And who knew all this stuff? Because most of the writings that I understood from other people, that, you know, that wasn't there. But for me, it was all new. You didn't have to erase anything from my background for me to find what I was looking for. A lot of people came from different religions, and the religions integrate into their consciousness, uh, you know, certain, I guess, ideas. And the Arantia book 
didn't have the same kind of history for Jesus anyway. Mm-hmm. Now, when I read it, I, I, I can't tell you, there's no words to put into it, but I didn't have to get rid of anything. It was, I was an open book. I was a clean slate, just fill me, and that's what it did. It and filled that's what me. It did. Um, I was raised Roman Catholic, and I had an aunt who was a, a nun in the Catholic Church, so I was raised Christian, and uh, obviously studied the Bible, and it was the the words of Jesus that absolutely just just knocked me right out. They were they were so loving, uh, so beautiful, so so unselfish. Uh, it, it really it just it just made a difference. But I have to say that when I opened the Urantia book and began the fourth part of the book, which is the the life and teachings of Jesus, it it went from like a black and white version of what I knew about Jesus to a 3D technicolor stereophonic sound version of his life. It, it, it gave it so much more meaning and depth and detail that you feel that you were right there sitting with him and, the, and, and, and listening to what he's saying and feeling those thoughts and seeing the challenges that he had in his life at that time. And it's just such an amazing experience that there's nothing rivals that. And uh, I totally share with you what you just said, that it, it it's lightning in the bottle. And you just go through those chapters, and uh, they're memorable, and uh, the, the knowledge that is being shared there is phenomenal. So, I, I, Doreen, I totally get what you're saying, and I think a lot of the Ranch Book readers feel that same thrill of, of really partaking in those times uh, with, with the challenges that were uh, there. Certainly, it was a roller coaster ride then for him, for Jesus, and how he, how he met the challenges in such a loving way. So it's, it's an, an amazing, amazing book. A lot of people have said to me that they were either atheists or had other religious background. But that particular section of the book, the fourth part, really uh, changed their life. Oh, indeed. And it's an easy read. It's not so intellectual. Uh, but it's beautiful. It's beautiful. It's like you want to find that peace that passes all understanding when you read that. He Boy, was so kind true. and generous and good to people. He always looked for what was what was good in someone, and not look to criticize. I loved when he said, when you're teaching someone, when you're with people, don't criticize them. Say, you know, if they're doing something wrong, don't say, you know, oh, you're stupid, or don't do that. He never made anything negative. He took the positive, and he said, how about looking at it this way? There is another way to see things. He didn't say anything that was wrong, but he said everything that was right. And nobody was ever offended because it was a beautiful way to teach. And he said, Let, you know, can you help me when he engaged people? And how he got their attention. And then he said, now let me help you. And I remember the wonderful story of the boy Fortune that was on top of the mountain, unhappy, hiding away from life. And he said, could you show me 
the way uh, to the trails on the mountain. I want to get to wherever his destiny was. I had forgotten. I just remembered the story anyway. And the, the young lad, he said, of course, I'll do it. And then, of course, Jesus began to talk to him. And he said, you're showing me, you're so kind to show me the trails how to get to, you know, my goal. And he says, let me show you the trails of happiness for your life. And he began to unfold, look at yourself. You're a strong, healthy, intelligent young man. You could go out there and you could change, you know, change your own life and by helping other people. And he, and he just inspired me just reading that a way mm-hmm. how to, how to reach out in this world. What do you do? You, you have such beautiful information and it has transformed your own life. How do you share it? How do you go out into the world and try to model, I guess, you know, what he what he had done, not to be or live his life, but the the messages that he gave. Serve others is really serving yourself. Go out and help other people. Do something good. When you when I look around today and I see what's going on and all the negativity, it, it just appalled me that people are angry at each other because they don't agree with each other and they lose their respect for each other. And I, I can't believe it. And, and so my thought was try to find something good in everybody. Don't look at what you don't like. We all have, we all have our faults. We all have you know the, the the things in life that we don't like about ourselves, but when you're acknowledging it and and understanding it, you could you could change, you could replace that. And so, and I thought, why don't you know when when we engage people, why don't we just engage them in a positive way, mm-hmm. right? Instead of arguing and taking a position. So my goal became to inspire other people. And when people well, are angry... Well, you're doing a very good job of that. Uh, you have been. I know you have. I've seen you do it. I've seen you uh, talk at the study groups, and you absolutely uh, motivate, share information, and with your, with your truth, you share that with others, and they, they respond. I've, I've seen it. And uh, so you've learned. You've, you really have, and... Doreen, I, I'm a witness to that, and I just, I just love when you're doing that and uh, sharing, sharing your knowledge with other people, and uh, uh, going, going, explaining some of the Ranch book to others who are new readers. And uh, I've seen you do that time and time again, and uh, it's, uh, it's wonderful. And uh, well, you're reflecting, you're reflecting the limitless love that Jesus has. Well, I was just going to say that. And and when the book said the universe is friendly, I thought, let me go out and find out if it's friendly. And so, really, and that was my motivator. And I, and that love that comes from above, that comes from God, that comes from the universe, you know, all (laughs) we're all connected. The the whole universe is is really connected by love, the love from the source of love. And I went and I engage people and I I start to love people. 
I, I don't look for what's wrong with anyone. I really don't. And it doesn't bother me that, you know, because I'm far from being perfect. I've got plenty of problems, you know, and my fears and my, you know, all the things that we grow up with. And that takes time to get rid of. And I've gotten rid of a lot of it. But I try to bring that to other people. And so when I engage them, I engage them with something nice. I, I could be on the train. I could be any place. It doesn't matter. I will walk up to someone and I say something kind to them. You know, I just love what you're wearing. Or you have such a wonderful way about you. It's it's so, there's something that speaks to me. And can I help you carry your luggage or can I do this? And even when people give their seats up on the train to me, and so I say, you must have been brought up with a wonderful mother that taught you manners because most people don't get up today. And for sure enough, one guy said to me, and she's sitting right next to you. And I said, oh. thank you. What a wow. wonderful job you did with your son. I, I, You have no idea when you are open, and I'm not self-conscious at my age because I'm in the latter years, so I don't care what people think of me, but I am so free. It is, it's like all your hang-ups and all your stuff doesn't matter. You see it as no value. The value is connection with relationships with other people, and try to uplift them. Try to help them. You know, if if people are angry, what happens? The energy is down. You know, everybody mm-hmm. feels that negative energy. There's resentment. There's disappointment. There's no hope. There's no joy. So I try to change that. And my goal is to uplift and inspire them and just have a conversation. I'm not selling anything. I don't have, but I want to share uh, life in a positive way with people because they're they're very depressed. A lot of people I meet, men, women, young people in college. Well, I have two grandsons in college, so I talk to them about what's going on in their schools. Well, they're both out of college now. The last one just graduated, and they you know they they come from very nice families. And they have lots of love. And you could see the interaction, how life works. How do we do? How and what? And why do we do what we do? What are we trying to achieve? So you have to have a goal in your mind. What is it that you want to transform this world into a better place? And you do it one by one by one. Can't get up and make a speech to a thousand people. It doesn't matter. But if you if you reach somebody, just just anybody, who doesn't matter who they are, wherever you are, engage them and and just kind of try to say something nice. And uh, I don't know. It, it's almost like the spirit puts the words on your you know on your tongue. And I, and I end up I find numerous amount of people. And they respond to me, and then they want to know. I I used to belong to Toastmasters when I had uh, in the winter house in Florida, and I went to Toastmasters. I had two clubs. And when I made speeches, so many of the young men, they would, and maybe a few women, but mostly young men, they would say, Where did you find this information? You have to teach me what you know, please. And I would meet them for lunch or dinner, and we would have hour-long conversations, 
And they were so happy to find answers to life and the meaning for them. So mm-hmm. it's to be shared. You know, all the goodness in the world is to be shared because the model is up above. God, Jesus, all all the creator sons, all the angels, all the beings that work to help us on this planet, they share with us. And that's what our goal is. That's the service we could provide for others. So I, I'm just the luckiest person in the world, <laughs> honestly. I have yes, no regrets. <laughs> no, no, that, that's the way to be, and, and you, you're reflecting that every single day. And, have a uh, sense as, of humor. As Jesus did, as just, as, and also a sense of humor, absolutely. You have to have that also to get through. You have to, because it's a roller coaster ride for everybody. There's, there's the joyous times, and there's the times of really – Deep, deep challenges. Um, what, one of the major challenges in, in life is when you lose someone, uh, whether to sickness or an accident or just old age, and to get through that, to, to have a, someone you, you, you're very close to that you love pass on. And I can say that that's one of the points that the Arantia book uh, is extraordinary at, is, is explaining where we're going, what our voyage is, what your, they call it the universal career of what's going on next and, and how that works and what you should expect and how you should prepare for life and beyond. And oh, it, it, indeed. It's an extraordinary detail, as, as you, I'm sure you know so well. And, and that really alone, if there was nothing else, and there's, there's lots, but even just that one point, is so worth reading the book and, and, and embracing it. Well, I tell them that we this is only a temporary separation. When somebody passes on, you'll see them again. This is you know, this is just very, very brief existence here on this world. And they're waiting on the other side because there's the mansion worlds and the book describes all the worlds, there's billions of them, and that the universe is set up as the university. We will learn what goodness means. We will learn what morality is. We will learn how to be better human beings, to grow towards God consciousness, to open up our hearts and our minds. And it's a marvelous journey. It is the pattern set up for every human being. And this is our destiny. And and there is no death. It's just transition from one phase mm-hmm. to another. But we can't see it. And that's why they say, if you have faith, you will understand, you will get the insight. And what I experienced through many, many things that uh, there's never time to talk about and not important but it showed me there is uh my mind was absolutely intact after i left my body i had many out of body experiences and i could see myself lying there i was fully me who i am and i knew right then and there that yes everything they said is true i exist mm-hmm. beyond that physical material body that has worn out and that's the hope and the faith that came to to keep me going it's like wonderful and it was an absolute knowing there is nobody could take that away from you and nobody can give it to you when you discover reality when you discover truth and beauty and goodness this is something that it's a vista a panorama uh 
into eternity of never-ending beauty and surprises, I suppose. I mean, I, I, I just am overwhelmed, and we cannot... We really cannot identify in a material level absolute spirit. There is, they even say if God was standing next to you, you wouldn't know it. But the great surprise is that he gave a part of himself to each of us, and that that's, is, that's that leading of the spirit within us in every normal mind and every human being that exists. That is phenomenal. So I have a constant companion, and I communicate with that companion. And that led me back to remember, as a child, I created that companion. I didn't know it was God. He was already there. And that's why he led me, you know, to, um, uh, you know, unfold this marvelous life that I've had. And that doesn't mean that you're not challenged and that there's a lot of things that happen because the more you, you, you grow, the more challenges there are. But mm-hmm. it's it's a secure feeling knowing that I'm not alone, and I can get through it, and I do get through it. And sometimes it's the hardest thing in the world, and you really need help. But then there's that inner knowing: I have all the help I need. You just have to you have to build your courage and your stamina and grow as a human being because you've got a journey out there, and there's a lot of challenges beyond here. And if I don't do it here, how am I going to do it when I leave this planet and go to the next level? So those mm-hmm. are the things that, you know, it always reminds me. They have one, the book has such marvelous things. You know, you can go on forever talking about it, but if if anybody ever is interested talks about ethics and morals and values and what that really means and what real love is and it's alive it says you can't you can't capture it. it it's 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 never ending but you're growing towards love and the love fills you you know it comes from god it fills you and it goes out you cannot keep it you can't contain it it's it's always moving and that's what opens your eyes to love other people. That's why it's all connected. I'm talking in all different areas, but I'm telling you, every bit of it is connected to the source of everything. And at that point, at that point, we have to start wrapping up. Uh, our, our journey for today is at an end, but I am hoping that it will continue. Uh, this was a very warm, loving, and uh, very clear um, uh, introduction to the Urantia book and your journey. So I would love to learn more at a later time. Thank you. Uh, uh, Hercules, I've already asked Doreen if she'd do a part two uh, at some oh, other awesome. point, and uh, and she said she great. she would. So uh, we'll have another part of that that story. Uh, Doreen, just a, a heartfelt thank you for sharing your thoughts with us. Uh, it was a, a wonderful, wonderful interview. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you for asking me. It's my pleasure. So this is Nick Curto for the Arantia Book with Nick, wishing you all an enlightening journey. Till next time, explore the limitless love of the Arantia Book, stay safe, and be kind to one another. Goodbye for now. Goodbye, and thank you again. Uh, We're going to listen to Bone Poets Orchestra's Cry Freedom, and then we'll be back. Uh, with uh, fellow Unarians, uh, Lonnie Calvert and David Reynolds, and we're going to do an episode of Starfleet Adventures. 
now I will not remain a thief I have seen it with my eyes Seen that all religion lives by a steady trade in lies They try to hold us back with rains of holy smoke But I am here to say we will not bear the
Greetings and welcome back to Pride of Olympus. I'm Hercules Invictus, and I'm really looking forward to our next segment, which is titled Starfleet Adventures. And I'll be speaking with fellow Unarians Lonnie Calvert and David Reynolds, and we will continue exploring Star Trek from Unarian perspective. Greetings and welcome, Lonnie and David. How are you? Doing well. Thank um, you. I'm, I'm fine. Thank you. Great to be here. Thank you. It's great to have you here. And um, I guess uh, we'll work out an order. Um, who would like to go first with the answers? Doesn't matter to me. Either one's fine. Okay, David? Uh, yes. If you, Do you have a preference? Yes, no. Okay. So uh, we'll do ladies first, and uh, we're gonna go, okay. we'll start with uh, Lonnie, and then uh, we'll go to David. Um, before we get into Star Trek, um, I guess uh, introduce yourselves uh, to our audience in case people didn't listen to the uh, other episodes in uh, this series, and uh, how you came to uh, Unarius. Uh, Lonnie? Um, let's see, I've been a student over 30 years, and I first found a book at a futuristic expo in L.A. when I was 15 called The Infinite Concept of Cosmic Creation, and I thought it was really deep at the time, and um, was looking for answers to how I could resolve my own problems. I didn't want to be dependent on outside sources for my health and happiness. So um, eventually I moved to San Diego and uh, loved what I found because it did give me the tools to do that in whatever, in you know family life, in work, in relationships, health, etc. So I love Unarius. It's, it's saved my life literally many times and I use it. I'm a um, music therapist. I work with special care facilities, nursing facilities, etc. And I use what I learn all the time. Well, thank you very much. Uh, David? I grew up as a young man um, with a love of science, and I had a, a particular fondness for astronomy. And I had become an amateur astronomer. Excuse me. And I um, found this article that um, introduced me to the world of UFOs, and that's the um, Betty and Barney Hill abduction case. I read it. Excuse me. And the um, the article, what Betty Hill was told by the spaceship captain, had astronomy in it, and I and I analyzed it, and I was convinced from that moment on that UFOs did exist. We're not alone in the universe, but I wanted more and more to understand about it, especially the spiritual part of it. So I got interested in UFOs, and Unarius sent me some literature. I guess I got on their mailing list, and I started, I ordered the first book, The Voice of Venus, and I started reading it, and I thought, wow, this is exactly what I've been looking for, something that joins science and spirit. 
And uh, you remained, uh, both of you, Unarius has a lot to offer. And uh, um, I've found that there's more there than you can even study during the course of a lifetime. And then when you start experimenting with the techniques, um, that can uh, keep you very occupied as well. But uh, Unarius is very rich uh, in the spiritual yes, information yes. that it uh, contains. And, uh, in fact, it's a whole uh, library of information. So Some it's like sometimes, you know, your, yeah, go ahead, Lonnie. Oh, I was going to say, sometimes when you ask a question, it's like, um, okay, well, you know, because there's over 100 books and over 100 videos and, you know, plus all the materials from classes and different things, it's like, okay, I know I heard that somewhere, you know. If you haven't totally incorporated it, it's just like a factoid or something. But because the the... Expand. It's like the library. It's like, well, do you know where in the library, you know, like when you go to the library, where it talks about, you know, such and such, which book talks about such and such, you know, and it's just so vast because it covers all different aspects of life, not only as we know it in the uh, third dimensional planet of Earth, but um, other physical planets, other planets that are non-physical, uh, past civilizations on Earth, you know, Atlantis, Lemuria, going back. So, I mean, the, the topic, the, the subject matter is just so vast. It really is, you know, an, an alternate library with, uh, that goes beyond normal libraries. Indeed. And uh, some of the chapters, I must say, will take your breath away because of the yes. depth of knowledge. Uh, and they're an invitation to explore more, not only the literature, but uh, um, one of the things that you can do with the Unarian text is through reading, you can actually gain a connection to the, the places and the individuals being uh, described. Uh, and that is a very wonderful thing to experience. And uh, some of the things that come through when you do that are phenomenally profound and insightful. Well, I think because the difference is it's not written like a regular book where it's from some author's subconscious. Uh, the the uh, text that comes through is a, well, we call it the Unarian Brotherhood, but it's master teachers um, all working together. So, you know, you have, you know, Buddha and, and Jesus and Gandhi and, you know, the religious minds and scientific minds and poetic artistic minds and spiritual minds and etc and they all work together they don't fight about you know well my religion's better than your religion or you know i'm smarter than you are i was einstein you know whatever they all work together as a group and that information is comes from uh, it's like a vortex of information of energy intelligence power coming into the books so when you read the books you attune to that vortex of information and depending on you know where you are in your spiritual evolution you know you get a different layer of meaning but it's it's multi-layered and so every time you read the book you get more out of it as you are able to conceive and apply the information and then you're ready and open for the next layer of intelligence that is you know in as i said it makes unarius books totally different from any other book that you would read very true. David, would you like to expand on that? Well, the um, waiting on astronomy to tell us, is there life on other worlds? I think Inarius, um is able to reach out clairvoyantly and psychically like 
to advance minds, like Lonnie alluded to, and um, answer that for uh, the reader. The the like you said, Hercules, it has the ability to turn the reader in to some of the exact experiences. For example, um, one of my favorite planets is Fixall. It's very scientific, and quite often I have um, attuned right to that planet and seen some interesting psychic things on that planet psychically. Mm-hmm. And Unarius, mm-hmm, Unarius will explain to you your own inner um, self, the outer and the inner. It will help the person obtain a clairvoyant psychic viewpoint, which is what's so sadly lacking in this world. And and that's something, expanding on what David just said as far as clairvoyance, that's one of the main things that you are learning as a student is to develop your own clairvoyance. And so that is what allows you, like you mentioned, Hercules, to go to these different places to transport. Because once you develop that um, understanding of the fourth dimension, how energy functions, that's taught in Unarius, then there is no time and space. So you can be like the the moderator, you know, he actually, when he visited uh, Mars, it wasn't, you know, on a, on a silver cord, you know, he was there. He was actually there in his psychic body and, and getting the tour of the underground cities of Mars. So as we, as readers and students develop that capacity, we can go, as you say, to these different places and meet these teachers face to face. And it's, um, it's just as real as here. It's just not atomic or physical. May I add to that? Sure, of um, course. The radio does not need to know the name of the radio station to tune to, to attune mm-hmm. to. All it needs to know is the frequency. So this is Very the world point. that we live in. This is the world we live in, a world of energy and frequency, and um, it's fascinating to understand there is a definite science to life. It's not a guess work. Uh, people don't need to remain miserable with problems. There is a science and there is a cause and an effect to everything. Almost certainly so. And uh, um, Unarius claimed many things uh, for which they were ridiculed over the years. And now science is vindicating uh uh, that information that uh, up until fairly recently uh, it was believed that uh, life here on this planet was a fluke and that we were very much alone in the universe and now we're finding that there is water and that life uh, uh, can indeed be very common uh, on very many planets so uh, um, science is discovering the ancient uh, truths that were given to the world by Unarius Mm-hmm yeah, the Normans were definitely ahead of their time, but again, they didn't they didn't work by themselves. They work with all of these beings on the inner and they and the they all have this perspective a a more more infinite perspective. I mean, it's like you could say infinite creative of intelligence has an infinite, but we're all working towards that and we're all at various levels, but they have a more uh a wider, much wider perspective than we do of you know, how it all works. And so that's why as a student is the more that you uh, read and you apply this information and discover the validity of it and then you're open to all this information and, you know, you're not 
um, put off by the media or other people that, you know, think you're nuts for believing in these things because there's a truth to it. And actually it's not just a matter of faith, um, you know, for, for people who come to Unarius and, and know immediately when they hear uh, an interview on the radio or they read a book and they go, this is what I've been looking for all my life. They've been preconditioned. So it's not just a matter of faith. They've seen these things, how they work on the inner planes in between incarnations. So it's just re-downloading that information. And that's that's why, you know, they're able to stick with it despite, you know, what would be considered ridicule from uh, other people that they work with or, or the media or whoever, family. I can certainly identify with that feeling of finding what it is you're looking for. Yes, David. I would like to add for those who not who people who might be listening who are not familiar with the Unarius Library, one of the co-founders, the person who kind of started it, uh, Dr. Ernest Norman, do you remember the movie, The Day the Earth Stood Still? Yes. Do you remember the person, the man who walked off of that spaceship and how knowledgeable, how scientific, how humble, and how loving he was? Yes, I do. Well, that imagine a person stepping off a spaceship. Let's just say they're from the planet Lemuria, and they're willing to share their spiritual and scientific knowledge and love with anyone who will listen. That's the kind of person Dr. Norman was. But rather than being dependent upon people listening to him live, he recorded so many lectures on reel-to-reel tape, and they are now in book format. And so anybody can read those texts and tune in to the very same consciousness that I'm trying to describe. A very loving, a very knowledgeable um, um, man or person. Yes, and he had memory of, of, you know, many, many lifetimes, thousands and thousands of years ago and on another planet. He, um, David just mentioned mm-hmm. Lemuria, the uh, planet Lemuria, not the civilization Lemuria, so it, that's what came to mind. So really, you know, you could say he was an extraterrestrial. This wasn't his home planet, but, and, I mean, he, he came to exactly. to give the information to, to us to help people of planet Earth because we're one of the lowest on the evolutionary ladder of the spiritual evolution. And, um, by the way, Hercules, I grew up before... Finding Unarius, watching Star Trek. Ah, yes. We're going to get to Star Trek in a second. Thank you for bringing us yes. back. <laughs> I was, and one, I love I was that. wondering when I Star Trek was going to get in there. <laughs> well, Star, Star Trek, uh, uh, somebody who is aware of uh, Unarius cannot help but find uh, resonance with uh, Star Trek. And uh, there are indications that uh, Gene Roddenberry was familiar with uh, uh, Unarius, that he was a reader of the Urantia book, and a lot of information came out that he used to go to channeling sessions uh, and communicate with uh, higher intelligences. Uh, One of the groups he went to uh, was a group dedicated to the Nine, um, and these were the nine uh, gods of ancient uh, Egypt uh, who revealed themselves to be extraterrestrial intelligences. 
Um, but there, there's enough literature and enough information now where we can be fairly certain that uh, Gene Roddenberry was familiar with uh, um, cosmic spirituality uh, and communication with higher planes. And some of the things he wrote for Star Trek, like with the Organians, for instance, uh, indicated that uh, that is uh, so. Uh, so there are resonances there. And Unarius um, maintains, and this is something I believe, having experienced it uh, you know, firsthand and very powerfully, that there is no such thing as science fiction, that science fiction is memories uh, of other times, and that we have resonances with it, and it draws souls into it so that they can be aware and learn the lessons that they may not have learned the, the time before or to be able to navigate um, ahead. So... Um, Let's um, talk about that a little bit, and then we'll get into specific Star Trek. Uh, what drew you to Star Trek, and where did you find your resonances? Um, just uh, before I, I go into that, because um, I had heard you mention that last time in the Thursday, last Thursday show, too, about Gene Roddenberry and stuff. And in our understanding of the continuity of life, where people go to the inner planes, spiritual planes in between earth incarnations. You know, Gene Roddenberry definitely got the idea for this or was inspired for this and worked through the whole, you know, series and the concept of bringing these stories to earth before he incarnated. Everything happens on the inner first. So when he was here, you know, all these different things could tune him into that, bring it back into consciousness. But it, he conceived, or it was conceived, you know, between him and his teachers, I'm sure, in the whole plan of doing the Star Trek series, you know, before he incarnated. So um, back to Star Trek, um, uh, I I fell in love with it because uh, my stepmother was a continuity writer for Paramount, and oh, um, but before I lived with her. You know, she would have me come over, and she and my dad would have me come over, and she would um, show it on a screen, not a television, but a, a, a like a, a home theater screen. And um, when it got to the commercials, it would just say, place commercial here. I thought that was so great, you know, because that always interrupts the, the excitement of the adventure. And um, so that was my first seeing it uh, was you know, when she was doing the continuity to for other languages and so forth. Um, and then, you know, watching it after that on, on TV and DVD and all the other ways um, multiple times. But, um, and I'll let, da- I have something more to say about that um, between, you know, Unarius, the difference with Unarius and, and uh fans, other fans out there, you could say, and, and an example of that, but I'll let David speak first. Okay. Um, well, I was drawn to it because of the positive message it was giving. Plus, Spock was my favorite because he had a discipline in science, and that's what I aspired to become as a scientist, but, of course, in this lifetime, um, I'm, I wasn't going to um, do that. I was going to be Unarian first and learn spirituality. But I was drawn to his understanding, his discipline, his lack of emotional involvement in 
things to keep his perspective more objective, more scientific. So that's really what I uh, was drawn to. And the fact that they had announced the planets they visited, that they had they were a warlike planet at one time, but they evolved to become a peaceful society. And the Confederation or the Academy was reaching out to new worlds, making contact in a friendly way. And the only time they ever fought is if they had to defend themselves. Well, yeah, that powerful. was something I was going to say, too, that I loved about, um, especially the next generation, uh, um, Picard, um, is that they would always, he would always try and resolve something peacefully and with intelligence, and that violence mm-hmm. was the last resort. Mm-hmm. My yeah. resonances but, with Star Trek were originally the uh, uh, Olympians. They had Who Mourns for Adonis, where they uh, had Apollo. And uh, uh, he talked about how the Olympians had come to the planet and they were here for a while and then they left and, uh, and so on. Uh, so that resonated very powerfully with me. Um, and uh, from there, I resonated with other uh, peoples in the Star Trek uh, universe. And the Klingons, especially the Klingons of the Next Generation era, uh, that opened the door to all sorts of relivings and experiences, which I later identified when I became more familiar with the Unarius literature with Orion. So that became Absolutely. a portal for exploring all this Orion uh, stuff, you know, and understanding it uh, a lot better. In fact, um, Romulans did the same thing. They were very yes. intelligent, but they used their uh, life force to conquer so they haven't be, they hadn't become evolved yet into a spiritual way, but um, you could tell they were a lot closer than the Klingons. Yes. And that, in so fact, the Romulans gonna... reminded me of an Orionite. <laughs> <laughs> well, so I, mean, I was going to give you an example. Yeah, I was going to give okay. you an example of another thing that attracted me that I wouldn't have known before I became a Unarian student. And um, it was the um, Museum of Space here in San Diego. Uh, There was a traveling uh, exhibition of Star Trek, um, you know, like the interior of the ship. They recreated the whole interior of the ship uh, within the museum. And I went there with William. I think you met him in New York. And... um, we were on the bridge, and there was a photo op. Now, if you think, in this lifetime, I'm a female, and he's, you know, a male who's, you know, prides his masculinity and those that so on and so forth, typical. And if you think back to the original Star Trek, um, uh-huh. you know, for that, I would probably be in a miniskirt or with cleavage, and uh, even though on the bridge in some kind of, you know, secondary serving position, all right, but the first uh-huh. thing that he said is sit down in a captain's chair, just naturally. That was real natural. And why did he say that? You know, why, why as a man and me as a, a female in this lifetime, why didn't he sit down in the chair and have me go do something else? Because he remembered, and we had gone through things where that was the case. I was um, 
a captain on a starship. I was a, a man in that lifetime, and I've served in that position before. So his psychic memory was of that uh, relationship with me when we were on board, you know, what looked like the bridge of the star of Star Trek. You know, it was mm-hmm. totally recreated in this museum. So that that's a that's a difference with the Unarian is we aren't just doing cosplay. You know, with right. no knowledge, just it's like, well, this is fun. It's it's we're actually know that we're reliving lifetimes where we did have uh, spaceship capability, interplanetary, maybe intergalactic um, spaceship capability, and what our positions were and what happened. And and when we um, we don't do cosplay, we Unarius actually has a costume room, a functioning costume room, and when we enact something like, you know, the Orion series, um, you know, it, it's real and we do it for a purpose. You yeah. know, we, we are trying to work out our misdeeds and um, traumas and so forth. It's not just to have fun. So we realize what we're doing and there's a purpose to it. So it's it's totally different from just, you know, a fan or someone um, doing it for fun, reenacting very, very true and very important uh, to keep in mind. I know I've been involved in fandom uh, not so much uh, now except through these uh, podcasts, but for a while I was going to conventions and uh, my wife before we connected used to go. So eventually our paths uh, crossed in several places and I was one of them. But people who used to dress up in the costumes, um, some of them, they, you know, they realized that this is a TV show or a movie or a series of movies and that they were kind of entering the story through the cosplay and other vehicles. But when you got to know them, some of them shared uh, their beliefs and uh, they didn't know about uh, Unarius and cosmic spirituality, but they would say that there's something about this, you know, it wasn't exactly the way it is on TV, but it feels very real. And they feel that they were a part of this and that they're not so much uh, um, mimicking something that is an entertainment, but they're kind of like hooking into something that is part of who they actually are. Uh, So that that feeling, even even if they never find uh, cosmic spirituality and uh, Unarius, uh, that feeling is very real and it leads some of them to to seek, which is a good thing. So um mentioned a few things about what I love about the original series. Okay. Um, because the um, exploration of robotics and how they just explored how robots could be used either positive or negatively. And then they did encounter quite often a civilization who had created robots where you could not tell the difference between a mechanical robot and the human being, and other times you could tell a difference. So in Orion, in our previous lifetimes, we, Earthians, have used robotics in a negative way. And um, people who view these Star Trek episodes or science fiction, they can well understand, if they study Unarius, that this is a really good um, tune-in to their past when they misused viruses or medical germs or robots. Imagine a whole um, planet being attacked by huge robots that, well, like Star Wars, 
where you uh, could hardly defend against them, you know. And that is a really good tune-in to discovering your own past lives. So it helps to understand that we have all misused those technologies in our previous lives, and now we're entering into a new age, an Aquarian age, where we will learn to use it in a positive way. And... um, Contact with other civilizations, uh, other people will eventually happen. Um, The use of androids is another similar technology that is explored in Star Trek. Again, we've all been, um, well, not all of us, but people who have been deeply involved in science research have combined their life, their physical, with android technology in some cases they become hybrids and um, this is something that may have adversely affect your future or your present lifetime and it's a when you understand that you perhaps volunteered to be part human part machine so that you could outdo the other people or your co-workers or um, learn to um, conquer another world this is um, really good past life information to deal with, to, to uh, digest. In fact, one of the things that people who encounter um, UFOlogy or Star Trek is that they are quite concerned that we may run across an alien race that is hell-bent on conquering us. Yes. So some, some people or some scientists say we should be very quiet. <laughs> So we don't attain their attract their attention. See, this is a really good example of past life psychology, the psychology of consciousness, where that particular fear is an inversion, where we have gone out and conquered others, and we've induced fear into the people we conquered. We overcame them with fear and superior technology, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. and now. We, as human beings, until we come to grips with that, we will quite often fear that which we have done to others come back to us. It's an individual thing and a global thing. Oh, indeed. Very, very true. And we find ourselves uh, there again, uh, too, because uh, artificial intelligence is on the rise. Prosthetics are... um, making us part uh, machines. So all of those uh, circumstances are returning uh, and they're in our science fiction. They have been for a very long uh, while as well. So we are being given the opportunity to uh, uh, pick a better outcome or not, depending. Well, having been um, joined with a machine in my past, at least one lifetime, I don't know about any more than one lifetime, I would never do that again. (laughs) Never. <laughs> Lonnie? Um, I was thinking about one, uh, a couple of the other things that I, I like about uh, the Star Trek series. And uh, one is they're able to portray human foibles or flaws or prejudices uh, by putting them on other people, you know, the you know the aliens. It's like, oh, those silly aliens. But, I mean, if you really analyze it, it's just like these are problems that we have. 
but you yes. know we can we can point it out we can laugh at it, at them for doing like I I was thinking a couple examples and um one was in first contact and it was it's it really shows how people here think about extraterrestrials but in in that case we were the extraterrestrials you know and and it's like oh they don't exist or you know they're they're if they came they would come to take us over or, you know what it is and we know you know it's like uh, the the Star Trek crew are are all out to help people and you know benign in that sense you know they're they're not trying to take over worlds you know so we can we can look at it because it's not us but you know you can see reflected in the the people on the other planet that they're they're coming to the the belief systems of us but again you can watch it and find it entertaining because it's not you you know they're talking about oh those other people don't aren't they silly or you know the way their belief systems right. and then um go ahead well, um, I wanted to I wanted to give an example real quick, Lonnie. Is okay. um, I remember this episode where um, the Caucasians were black on one side, the right side, and they were white on the other. The race, the beings. Yes. And and the other uh, part of the planet, they were black on the left side of their face and white on the right side, the opposite. They couldn't stand one another, and they were exploring racial hatred and to us the viewer the star trek crew they were going like what you're kidding the the differences are so minor you guys are just blowing it way out of proportion so that's a really good example of what Lonnie was talking about yes it is and there's there was another uh episode it was called distant origin and it was kind of like a veiled scopes trial where one of the scientists was tried for heresy for saying that they originated outside the Delta Quadrant from Earth, and it's like he was going to be, mm-hmm. you know, put to death for for saying something like that. And then um, also they they portray. I don't think they realize in those cases. I think they realized, you know, what they were doing. Um, but sometimes they portray some of these. Um, Unarius concepts, and of course, because they don't know about Unarius, or they don't believe in past lives, you know, they don't know where it's coming from, and and um, you know, maybe Roddenberry did, you know, in to one degree or another. But like, um, let's see, what was the name of it? Um, Royale. It was something Royale, and they kept reliving over and over again the same thing, and it's like if if you uh, and cause and effect, I know that did it too, where it's a great show to show if you don't analyze, you keep repeating the past over and over again. Right. And um, with Royale, it was like a, like a, a form of hell um, for life for people who don't know about the inner. Um, they didn't have any life signs, and they kept reliving their past over and over again. So, um, you know, it was, it, it, I don't know if, you know, people got or what level they got it on, but um, you know that that's what happens if you don't have any concept that there's any life after death, then you just keep reliving these scenes in your mind over and over. And, and I've seen it in, in various books portrayed that way. It's like this little area you could say in space, and you know they've cre- recreated this drama, and they, you know, rather than on a planet like in Star Trek, it was on a planet um, that they found this space 
that was this casino and and um, they just kept reliving the scene over and over but you know it actually happens for those people who don't know anything about you know what happens after death one life to live and that's it well then what happens when you lose your physical body so you know things like that where Star Trek would portray these concepts maybe unknowingly or the writers I mean because there was a lot of writers that worked on the show and some of them may not consciously have known you know these these principles but I'm sure they were being overshadowed and inspired by you know the master teachers on the inner too just you know to be hired and working on the show that um, whether they totally understand the concepts that were coming through or not um, just the to have that good writing and through entertainment, they're opening people's eyes because uh, people watch uh-huh. the story. And as you say, you know, they're portrayed, they're projected onto aliens and other planets and so forth. So uh, it's not threatening; it's entertainment. And right, yet they exactly, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So they can they can watch it and and uh, and and the same thing with you know like cosplay and stuff. It's like. Well, if you say it's science fiction, then it's like they don't have to be fearful that, you know, people are going to say that they're, you know, crazy or, you know, whatever. It's just like, well, this is just science fiction and stuff, so they can, you know, they can they can do it and not worry about anything, um, which is, is different from the Unaris where we we recognize that we're reliving and we're serious about it. It's not just, uh, you know, as I said before, for fun or or sci-fi. It's real. I had something happen uh, recently. Uh, somebody I'm working with on uh, health uh, uh, type of programming uh, in our community, we're, we're working together on uh, putting forth a nonprofit organization uh, to address, you know, certain things we feel aren't being uh, addressed. So uh, one day uh, um, he was telling me that, you know, because, uh, you know, we have discussions. He was telling me that, uh, uh, he has this like feeling that he was once a like a uh, a barbarian warlord in outer space, <laughs> and uh, of course I know I was a barbarian warlord in outer space during the days of Orion, uh, but that's probably where uh, I encountered that soul before because um, I'm generally a bit you know even though I'm very social I'm a bit of a private person so I don't really like hang out. Um, but uh, I started hanging out with this individual. There was like a resonance there. So that was a very interesting thing for him to uh, confide. Uh, and uh, it, it was an interesting thing to, again, see that we keep coming back. You know, we keep coming back. And, yeah, and no strangers. Times. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. more like when you meet somebody and there's an instant um, attraction or repulsion or an, any kind of strong emotion, it's like, okay, where did I meet this person before? What's our right. what's our relationship? You know, what do I need to work out with this person, or or what can we accomplish together? You know, depending on what it, the relationship is. Now, it's it's difficult not to draw a parallel uh, between the Federation of Star Trek and the Interplanetary Confederation uh, that is uh, revealed in uh, the Unarian revelations. Uh, mm-hmm. What are your mm-hmm. thoughts on, on the, the, how they're the same, how they're different, how they're similar? In fact, um, now that you mentioned that, um, Gene Roddenberry and his staff um, were channeling events that actually happened in one of those 32 other worlds that are going to make up 
our future interplanetary confederation oil where planet Earth will become a part of that confederation, the 33rd member. For example, um, like I mentioned earlier, robots and the misuse of them where they um, overdid their technology, so they overdepended on it. And some of the planets, they have exact detail about doing the same thing. There are planets or uh, stories in Star Trek that were about civilizations that turned their back on technology and became strictly um, an agrarian agricultural society. And Gene Roddenberry was, he unknowingly downloaded in his mind or his staff exact detail of some of the exact planets that we you can study in our series of texts, the um, Tesla Speaks Volume 4, Interplanetary Confederation. Yes. And it's incredible the um, the things he was able to channel. They became a script. They became, you know, the Star Trek, whatever. And later on, Unarius has exact similarities. So he must he must have described planets that had exactly the same history. They just had didn't have the same name. It doesn't really matter. Right. Well, that's a common thing, too. I found that in before I discovered places that were described in the Unarius, uh, it didn't happen very often, but there were a few places I'd, exper- I'd found on my own and experienced, uh, but I had known them under different names. So, uh, like uh, uh, Parhelion is an example. I knew it as Nea Alexandria, the new Alexandria. But uh, it was described in, in, in you know, it, it, you couldn't uh, mistake the place. You know, once you read about it, it's like, I know that place. And uh, uh, I knew a lot of information. So the, the name isn't important um, because, uh, oh, you know. You reminded me of a Star Trek episode where they dwelled on the stratosphere. Yes, yes. That was now, interesting. I don't remember the the planet's name, but um, there's a one of the uh, planets, of the 33, I believe, or 32. Um, one of the planets Unarius has has exact detail about had the exact same living situation, exactly the same where they lived in the stratosphere. They could move their homes wherever they knew about anti gravity. It was incredible. Yeah, the resonance is powerful. What I was going to say is... Just give me one more second, Lonnie. Um, Sorry, but we have all lived on other worlds before. This is the beauty of Unarius. It will help you remember all the planets that you have lived on, not just planet Earth, but we have all lived on many, many different planets, some spiritual, some astral, mostly physical. Sorry, go ahead, Lonnie. Oh, well, what I was going to say is um, the difference. You were asking about the difference between, you know, what you see portrayed or saw portrayed in the Star Trek series and various Star Trek series and um, and the Interplanetary Confederation that Unarius talks about is, well, one, that, you know, the IPC is, is reality, um, 
and in the in the Star Trek series, you you have these different races that uh, are still very violent, and I think part of that is you know Hollywood, you know contrast and and people still wanting to see violence, uh, but the the planets that Uriel contacted, you know after the contact, they are all um, peaceful. You know, they're living, yeah, they're living together, together and sharing information and so forth. And, you know, Earth is the laggard planet rather than portraying us as, you know, the beneficent ones going and finding these, you know, backwards planets. You know, they're waiting for us to catch up. So they're already sharing, you know, technology and um, what they grow, the things they grow. And they all have their power towers and, and we're the laggard planet. So, you know, they... W- when planets evolve, you know they they aren't violent. You know they're they're rising above that, and and they're still. I mean, if you look at all the Marvel comics universe things that are coming out in the movies today, they all have a ton of violence in them still. Yeah. You know, it's like we haven't progressed beyond that. Um, and and while, as I said, while um, you know the first thing they tried to do in the Star Trek series was to use intelligence and peaceful methods, you know, it often ended up with, you know, a lot of um, shooting involved, whatever the weapon type was, or in, and killing. I mean, they tried to do as little as possible, but it was still there. And and that's that's because, you know, Hollywood gives you what you want, what people want, and there's still, that's within the psyche of man is is the need to see, you know, if they can't express it, themselves, you know, due to all the laws that we have or whatever, to see it out pictured in, in uh, their entertainment. So that's still something that we have to progress spiritually. Um, and, that, and you know, and that's why they have the UFOs, real ones, extraterrestrials haven't landed, is because, you know, we've progressed technologically, but not spiritually. We're spiritually immature. Very good points, and uh, I've always in my in my talks uh, brought up uh, uh, something related to that. Is uh, uh, we complain about the world as it is, and we'd like it to be better, and yet our spare time is spent watching, you know, violence and uh, uh, drama, yeah. and uh, you know, so something in us uh, is still very enmeshed in that. Otherwise, we wouldn't seek it in our entertainment. Right, and even the news, it's like that's that's what the emphasis is on is, you know, how many were killed today? You know, who who destroyed who? Let's let's you know, there let's let's be on the lookout. We gotta be afraid because, you know, they're gonna attack us. And they you know, they have these bad motives and stuff. I mean that's what makes the, the nightly news. I, I tend to watch, you know, the good news or uh, listen, not listen to, read the good news network, the good stuff that's going on. So that's what I want to emphasize in my consciousness, not to be unaware of what's happening out there, but just not give it the, the, the so much emphasis in consciousness. That, that's a very good point. I try to do the same, and on some of our uh, podcasts, uh, we're focusing on all the positive things happening instead of all the negative things happening. And uh, mm-hmm. that's been a, a very enlightening exercise. Uh, we, we're doing it for uh, uh, Sussex County and here, like I'm in Bergen County. And uh, we, we spent a lot of time talking about the positive things. And you find if you do that, that your life becomes more positive. 
because uh, you're not. Yeah, you're regenerating that. Yes. You're regenerating that in your life. You know, you're accentuate by accentuating the positive. That's what you're regenerating on. And Star Trek, uh, its intent was to do that, to show that uh, in this future, humanity had grown past uh, some of the darkness that we currently find ourselves in and that uh, we, we solved our problems and uh, we managed to turn ourselves around and become uh, a benevolent uh, force in uh, the universe. And uh, that is something that I, I, I really like about Star Trek. And that's part of the reason why uh, this whole Starfleet Adventures initiative. And um, one of the things I love about Unarius, and as you know, I love many things about Unarius, uh, is that uh, Unarius literature tells you what you need to do to evolve uh, and as, as an individual planet so that we are ready to become the 33rd planet. Mm-hmm. Right, and it gives and, you the um, tools to do that and you to to resolve that's what I was first attracted to, to resolve the negative issues in your, in your life, not to, to feel that you're a victim, but right. to say, you know, you have the power to resolve and to um, change the world, you know, by changing yourself. You can't change anybody else. But as you change yourself, as you work out the negative, um, you know, traumas and emotions and, and different karma that you have, then you will become that light. You will become an arm for the master teachers here on earth. And um, you can do your bit to help make earth a more positive place. So um, I'm going to talk a little bit about Vixal. Um, Okay. One of the planets that um, you can read about in Unarius is about the planet Vixal. And, um, there's many different chapters and volumes devoted to that. They were um, very scientific. They were, they um, used robots. They abused them. They misused them. And um, after Uriel contacted them and they became introduced to the Unarius science of life um, or love and action, they uh, turned their evolution around and they um, decided that, you know, Spiritually, in our evolution, we cannot go on depending on the robots that we've developed. So they became quite lazy in respects. However, after they started turning their evolution around, they decided to do something positive. They started a one-year mission to go out to different planets in their area of the Milky Way galaxy and contact other planets. Now, isn't that what Star Trek did? They started a one-year mission to go out and reach out to other worlds? Yeah, something similar. It was a five-year mission. Whose five-year mission? Yeah, okay. Well, there's a book called Exploring the Universe with Starship Voyager that goes into specific detail that the people on Vixal and their crew consisted of two people of the other 32 other worlds. Two people, two representatives from the other interplanetary confederation planets, and they mm-hmm. and they went out on this one-year uh, mission. Of course, their year is longer than ours, and they they've made contact with different situations. One in particular, where the people were robotized um, by a previous 
Orion-like um, mentality, and um, they couldn't do anything about it. They could not interfere in that evolution of those people. Even though one could feel sympathetic for them, they, they remained true to the principle of non-interference, and they couldn't do anything until those people on the inner worlds asked for help, and then one day in the future they could be reached and helped. Isn't that amazing? That That is incredibly amazing. And I'm looking at our time. We only have a few more minutes left. And I, I, would, I would like uh, for you guys to share uh, contact information because there's always something really incredible happening at uh, Unaris. But this is definitely a to-be-continued uh, because uh, th- th- this is uh, the, the type of stuff I want to be discussing next. And we're just getting to the meat of it right now. So what are the incredible things happening at Unarius, and how can people uh, tap into them and learn more? Um, as was mentioned in your last Thursday one, uh, on the 30th, we're having a um, past life therapy workshop that's open to everybody. Um, we're having a creativity workshop. We're having a transmission from the um, beings on that master teachers on the inner uh, and people can come, hopefully, to El Cajon to participate in that, or um, the Past Life Therapy Workshop and the transmission will be live-streamed, I believe, and you can go on uh, Unaris's website, um, unaris.org, and get all the information how to watch that. And we have a Facebook page, we have live stream classes, we have a YouTube channel, we have our videos uh, archived on uh, LA36 as well as um, transmitted at some public access stations around the country. So there's lots of ways to find out what Unarius is doing and get on our mailing list for um, e-news of events like this, the things that are happening um, that Unarius is involved with. And every October, we celebrate the Interplanetary Conclave of Life. This coming October, the second weekend in October, we will celebrate the 36th Interplanetary Conclave of Life, where if you would like to attend in person, you will be um, able to explore some of these subjects. Or you could, we will stream live many different events but that's a very, a very positive upcoming meeting or conclave of life that we have just about every October. And you can find, um, you know, different things we've mentioned in our online store, too, is available as, as books or DVDs, MP3, MP4, etc. And Unaris is one of the very few uh, organizations I actually belong to as a member, uh, although I'm friendly with very many people because I believe in their mission and uh, I've been interacting with Unarius for about two decades, and it's, it is an awesome uh, gathering of people, uh, and they're safeguarding and perpetuating awesome information. So thank you very much, uh, and not only for being on the show, but for being part of Unarius and uh, bringing this light to the world. Thank you for thank having Thank you, Hercules, for inviting us. You're a wonderful host. Thank you and your wonderful guest. I'm looking forward to our next time. Absolutely. Good night. Good night. Good night. Uh, thank you for joining us from home. Until next time, uh, this is Hercules, Lonnie, and David wishing you joyous journeys and grand adventures. Mm-hmm.
Olympian blessings to all who have joined us on our adventure. Now, go forth and create a better world, one filled with light and love. On behalf of the pride of Olympus and her crew, may your journeys be joyous. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.